This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, a suburb of Phoenix and one of the fastest growing communities in the country. I'm joined today by our town manager, Patrick Banger. And when I say town, I should say we're the largest town in America. Today's topic is the creation of what I believe is the first digital communications department in the country, Gilbert Digital. Patrick, tell us about how you came up with the idea for the department. Thank you, Dana. I'd be happy to. When I came to the town five years ago, the town had not fully established its communications department nor hired a director to oversee the activities that were occurring. And so it was a great opportunity to just kind of take it as a blank canvas and think about what was best for our community and the best way to provide information to them and get information back from them. One of the things that I had been doing for uh, quite some time is following what Mayor Bloomberg was doing in New York and his chief digital officer, Rachel Hote. It was some pretty innovative things that he had brought with him from his, his days with his media empire, Bloomberg. And I thought it was um, very progressive in how they were getting information uh, to the residents and not only the communication style and fully embracing all the different social media channels that existed at that time, but what they were doing with the data that the town was collecting, city was collecting, excuse me, um, and using that in ways to the benefit of their citizens and the way they were embracing things like Google Maps and interfacing that with their emergency management system so that when they had situations like the hurricane that occurred, residents could actually get on their phones, get on their, their iPads, on their laptops, and actually see on a block-by-block -block basis where uh, these impacts were occurring. And I thought that they, you know, they really get it. They understand what it means to get information out to your residents in a timely manner in a very easy manner that with that very simple user interface that anybody could understand and anybody could operate. And so uh, I really tried to set down a path of, of, for our community, what does that look like and how do we best approach this topic? And those are complex ideas. And Gilbert, you know, was a very sleepy cow town, very small, but grew really quickly. So what made you, I mean, I know you came from St. Louis, you know, suburb of St. Louis, and you probably had these grand visions for Gilbert. But I know to a lot of people, you know, they'll look at what we're doing and they're like, Gilbert, Arizona, I've never even heard of that place. What made you think that this would be a possibility in Gilbert? You know, again, using something that New York City was doing, why would that work here? So for Gilbert or any community, uh, regardless of size, and in fact, the technology that's available today is probably uh, one of the greatest equalizers for communities, large and small across the country, because the uh, cost to implement these tools, these social media channels, the use of them, this technology um, is relatively low at, at the first rungs of that ladder. And when I think about what we're here to do, and, and we are created, uh, our, our governmental entities by the citizens to serve our citizens, and the age of information technology is changing. And if I think about our residents and how they're getting their information today, it's through social media channels, not the old channels of mail, of newspapers. And, and I've often thought if someone did a survey to understand how many Arizona Central uh, Republic subscribers there are versus Facebook subscribers, I'll bet it's probably a 50 to 1 ratio of Facebook to, to the traditional newspaper format. And so this means that if that's where our residents are, that's where we need to be. And it's very 
low cost and inexpensive to access these these channels but it's it's not that simple you have to understand what you're doing and how to approach that but um, that really there was there was no high bar for Gilbert to clear that a city like New York City would um, and so I really just looked at it as if that's where our residents are that's where we need to be and, and really started from that base building block that's awesome. And, you know, everywhere I go, people ask, you know, how we set up our department. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast was to really be able to share with others, you know, how you can take a traditional communications department and create something digital. And like you said, it can be more cost effective. It can be an easier way to handle customer service issues with residents. And so this podcast is really going to, this first episode is an overview kind of of how the department was set up, but then we're really going to spend a lot of time kind of diving down into the more specifics of some of those issues. And one of the things people always ask me when they meet me is, well, how, you know, what was the vision for the department? Why? And I always say you have to have the buy-in kind of from the top down. The manager has to get it. The mayor has to get it. Really have to have that support coming from the top down of understanding, especially in government, because it's difficult to make this kind of change in government. So tell us a little bit what that process was like convincing people that you needed to hire a chief digital officer, not a traditional communications director? Well, in Gilbert, and I wouldn't say that we're uh, unlike most um, governmental agencies across the country, the communications director position being open, I first had to convince the council and the mayor that, yes, we do need to fill that position. It is important to have someone uh, heading up that area and, and driving that strategy and in, in the communications to and from our, our residents and, and then take that next step of what is a chief digital officer and why, why do we need a chief digital officer on top of a, a communications officer? And the... Changing the name is all about changing the focus, that this is about uh, information in the digital age, not just communication. Communication happens in many forms over many uh, mediums, but this is about digital communications and embracing digital technology, embracing the web-based technology, that the social media channels. And so it really takes a different mindset. And what I wanted to bring was that, that new focus to uh, what we're trying to do here in Gilbert and that we're not going to follow traditional models of, you know, mailers to our residents, press releases that go out, but we're going to embrace something much richer and, and something that uh, is much easier for our, our residents to embrace, to understand, um, and to get information back to us. That's great. I remember seeing the job posted and that's what really interested me about the position was that it was so different. And I also grew up here in Gilbert. So that makes it even more exciting to work on kind of telling that story. But one of the things that I think we've seen happen is also media coverage has dwindled significantly even in the four years since I've been here and started. And we used to have dedicated reporters that were covering our council meetings, live tweeting them. We had reporters that could come out to our events. And unfortunately, not only just the print media, um, but broadcast as well, they're just not able to give us the coverage we need. So I think it's even more important that we're able to tell our own story. And that's really powerful from the residents. And I know we've had people um, ask us, well, isn't that, you know, propaganda? No, this is public relations. This is communications. And so I like to think of us almost as our own internal news agency. And I think it's been really well received from the community. How do you think it's been when you're out, you know, talking to your counterparts? I know you go to a lot of conferences and so forth. What do you hear from other people about, you know, challenges they have communicating with their residents or feedback you're getting about what we're doing here in Gilbert? Last week, I was at the International City Managers Association Conference in Kansas City and, and got to catch up with a number of my peers and, and talk about issues 
issues and, and opportunities that are going on in our communities. And, and inevitably, at some point in those conversations, they'll ask me about our, our digital government office and what is that really and, and what kind of, of value are we, we seeing out of that. And I think that, you know, to start from a, a, a basic uh viewpoint, a lot of managers have so many priorities on their plate that they don't often stop to think about communications and are we doing it right and is there a different way um, that we should be proceeding because they're focused on public safety and parks and recreation and public infrastructure and communications is really something that doesn't rise to the forefront or they don't interact with their director until there's a crisis many times. And so it's it's really a, a they need a, a fundamental understanding of, of uh, digital government and, and technology and what's out there and why they should be embracing it to then take the next steps of how do they implement that in their communities. And I really think that's lacking in our field. I think government is far behind the private sector in embracing uh, di digital technology and social media platforms. And so there's a lot of work to be done uh, in our area, but I'm always proud of what we're doing and, and enjoy talking about what we're doing and, and the returns it, it's uh, giving to our community. Um, but there's a, a real lack of understanding out there. I agree. And I think you make a great point about it being very reactive. I think so often when people are approaching communications, you're right. It's we need to put out a press release because this is going to be happening. But really being proactive in your communication strategy and kind of staying ahead of things is so important nowadays in the way people are receiving information. And so we're going to talk a lot about how we're using video here. One of the things I always like to say is I call the death of the press release. The press release is long gone. Um, no one has the feels they have the time to read an entire press release, let alone write it. And so we, what we do here is write blurbs along with video and try to make our content more engaging. And I think that's really powerful, not only for people that are going to be covering us, but also for our residents. One thing that also I get asked a lot is, where do you start? And I think talking a little bit about the digital roadmap would be great. So when I came in, again, this position hadn't existed before. And so it really was building something from scratch. And so I have a very different looking department than you'll see in other communications departments. You might see a public information officer. Here we have a digital media and marketing officer. I have two digital journalists who do the majority of all of our video production, both short and long form. Um, but this goes back to the Bloomberg piece. I know one of the ta the first task you gave me when I came in, kind of, you know, where do I start? And I, and I get a lot of this, people ask me for job descriptions or other things. Um, and really where I started was with the digital roadmap and getting a plan. And so talk to me a little bit about, you know, those pieces that you'd seen with Bloomberg and why that roadmap is so important. And I think bridging that gap, at least for me, with the other departments that I was going to be relying on in the town that were so crucial in order for this to be successful. Sure. You know, the Bloom, Bloomberg digital roadmap uh, that I reviewed really, um, I kind of viewed it as a blueprint to um, how they were going to implement this, what were the various uh, pieces to it, steps to it. But it really also was an educational document. It dealt with the type of policies that the city had adopted in order to embrace this new and provide some guidance for this new technology. It provided the uh, a base level of understanding as what they wanted to achieve for the community and uh, the results they wanted to see from it and why they were doing it. Talked about the technology they'd have to implement and deploy um, to realize the full value of this. And then it laid out um, kind of those next three years of, of what they would implement and when and, and why, kind of building up to this very robust, rich um, platform 
that really connected and communicated with people on multiple levels in multiple ways through multiple formats. Uh, and it was a very powerful document. And I thought you really can't start your department uh, without this this blueprint, so to speak. And, and that's when uh, you and I began talking about what's that digital roadmap look like for Gilbert. And one of the things that I realized right out of the gate was that it wouldn't be successful if we didn't have buy-in from a lot of the other departments. Obviously, working with the IT department is crucial in order for a lot of the plans in the roadmap to be successful. And many government agencies and organizations are very siloed. And what I quickly learned when I was even talking to some of my counterparts in other cities, they would say, well, I don't know the IT director. I don't know the people in those departments. And so that's another piece of advice that I often give to other cities who are looking to do what we're doing is um, it really is a team effort. And I think um, our next episode, we're going to be talking about those preventative policies that sometimes I think get in the way and inhibit change from happening in government organizations because there are those roadblocks, whether it's those silos or um, rules and regulations that don't allow certain people to watch YouTube or, um, and those were really successful. So building those relationships and kind of setting off down that path to be able to go to the IT director and say, look, in order for this to be successful, we're going to have to work together on, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think in government, that's very difficult, especially as you get into larger organizations that tend to be more segmented. I agree, Danny. Governments um, are typically very siloed traditionally in, in my experience. And I'm not sure what drives that. I spent some time in the private sector as well. And in the private sector, there's a very unifying vision around whatever product or service you're delivering and, and the need to maintain profitability in doing that. And so it kind of creates a, a level of a joint focus for everybody that, you know, this is our common goal and in government, with the diversity of the services that we offer in, in police or fire or treating water or wastewater or parks and recreational programming, internal services, it's hard to sometimes, or it seems like that we don't remember that, well, we're all serving the same citizens. We're providing them different services, but we're all serving the same citizens, the same businesses, and it allows silos to occur. And uh, you don't see a lot of uh, interaction or cooperation among departments, or at least not as much as you would expect to see to deliver a, a optimal level of service and product. And so when it comes to what you're doing here and with digital government, it's something that uh, can even be a little off-putting for an IT director to actually think that there's going to be some technology staff working outside of their span of control and, and what's their area of responsibility and how do they interact with me and what are they going to do to my network and what are they going to expose me to because of the need for security in, in the government arena with the information that we collect for our residents and businesses. It, it is very important and that that is why there needs to be an, uh, a very close relationship between the IT director and the chief digital officer because of some of those shared responsibilities and overlaps. But it is something that will take time and, and through relationship building. But uh, it's um, it, it could be a big hurdle if you don't recognize that up front and take steps proactively to develop that relationship and, and establish that mutual trust. I agree. Um, a couple of the things programs and partnerships that we've created here in Gilbert um, have received national recognition, and we're going to be talking um, throughout the podcast about these programs, but I wanted to mention them 
specifically the digital state of the town. So one of the things that we've created here in Gilbert that I also know is being modeled in other cities around the country is instead of the mayor standing up at a podium and giving an, an address annually to a crowd of people, we create a high-definition, high-quality video production. Um, it's actually We're actually nominated for an Emmy. And very exciting that we're able to share the power of you know the mayor's address. We have all of our council members participate and kind of showcase the year in review of our accomplishments um, with people you don't have to come to an event to see it. You could watch it from your smartphone. You could watch it at home. You could watch it on your computer. So tell me a little bit about, you know, why this has been so successful in Gilbert. And I love that it's such a marketing tool for us to sell our community, especially to businesses and um, economic development, which obviously is a huge focus for a growing community like ours. You know, our digital state of the town has become very popular with our community, with our businesses, and even gained a lot of notice you know, around our region and, and nationally. But I think part of that success is because it's a very focused um, piece around a central theme, and we have a scripted dialogue for people to communicate that information that it is uh, residents want to know, our businesses want to know about, and it is in a format uh, that is evergreen, and now we can put it on our, all our, our media channels and people um, who are uh, browsing through our website or visiting our community, possibly looking to relocate here, can watch each one of those years' uh, state of the towns and get a feel for this community and what's occurring, how we're progressing, the success we're achieving. But it's a very focused um, piece that really does an excellent job of communicating who we are, what we've accomplished, where we're going in the next year, and gives you a feel for all of our elected officials and some of our key senior staff. Absolutely. We get calls asking what production company we use. And, you know, proudly we can say we use our um, two digital journalists that are in-house on staff. And we are shooting over the course of a year. So it is quite a project. You can't really hire someone to film with you over the course of six months. So it really does need to be a staff member. And we get a lot of questions about, you know, using out-of-house production companies and so forth. So I think that's um, a key piece to mention. And then there's also Spark App League, which is another program that um, I'm really proud of that we've developed. And it's a coding um, contest for high school students, um, a partnership with Arizona State University's College of Engineering, as well as um, a sponsorship from Google. Very exciting. We bring high school students from across the state to take data and make it useful, whether it's designing games or mobile applications. And we're actually about to have our first advanced Spark event coming up in December. And that's really exciting because what we're learning is high school kids can run circles around even some of the developers that we bring in. It's amazing what kids know. Um, but I just think this is something that's um, really amazing. I know, you know, people are, we need to fill these computer science related jobs and getting kids excited about coding earlier is really important. And so Spark is something I'm really proud of. And I know you are too. And we've worked, you know, really cl closely to grow the program. Um, but I have had a lot of other cities also reach out and ask about how they could kind of have their own Spark event. And so one of the things that I thought would be worth mentioning is kind of creating those partnerships and programs. One of the things we talk about a lot of time is relationships. I mean, we don't have huge budgets here in government, obviously. Um, we're using the taxpayers' dollars, and so we have to be very, very mindful of that. And I think, as you mentioned, digital helps to lower costs on a variety of things. For example, a mailer could cost upwards of $40,000 to send to all of our residents um, versus what we can get using social media and so forth. But what I think is really interesting is, um, you know, people want to um, kind of emulate some of 
of these ideas that we're having. And, and Spark, I think, is is one of these you know amazing programs and partnerships. But it started with the idea of taking the knowledge that our high school students have and having them create a product for us that we couldn't afford to go out and buy. So tell me a little bit about why you love the program so much. You know, Spark App League, we collect a lot of data in the delivery of our services day in and day out, year in and year out across all our various uh, departments and divisions. And and uh, typically it just sits on servers, it sits on the shelf, and we don't do much with it. And there's value that can be derived there. There's value from uh, predictive analytics and, and, you know, analyzing that data and understanding and, and recognizing patterns and what we can do uh, to deliver a higher value of service to our residents and improve their lives. And there's also uh, value that we could be derived through mobile applications in uh, the various things that our high school students have done for, for us, from tourism to our riparian reserve to our public safety, fire and police. They've done an incredible job of helping us harness that value. And that the really neat thing about the program is not only do our residents receive uh, the benefit of these applications, these mobile applications, but the students get exposed to things that are going to be the careers of the future. They're, they're here now, and it will continue to grow. The coding, uh, the, the the software applications that um, sometimes you've got to uh, find some unique ways to capture kids' attention. They're not always focused on their, their jobs or college. They're focused on a lot of things. But if you can get them exposed to things like that and they find out they've got a knack for it or a passion for it, that they may just find uh, that they've found their future, uh, their, their career early in life. And so it's been a wonderful thing for us. Um, it's, it's been a little bit um, of a surprise that the overwhelming uh, uh, interest we've had in the program, we've had high schools from all over the state of Arizona participate in that. We've had some all-girls teams uh, submit and win. So it's been a, just an amazing thing um, for them and for us. And I think it really emphasizes the fact that if you want to be on the front edge of technology, but you don't have huge budgets, you still can find ways to leverage partnerships. And one of the things that I think we've been so successful with is partnering with Arizona State University, who has a common interest of wanting to attract future students and get them excited about coding earlier on, as well as Google, who has said to us that this is the most innovative, interesting program for high school students they've ever seen, and they've seen a lot. And so it's a really great way, and I think I would encourage whenever I get questions from other cities about, you know, how do you start programs like this? It's it's really wonderful and powerful what you can do when you team up and use resources. Again, when you don't have big budgets or $40,000 to turn around and pay for a mobile app, you know, how do you get creative and kind of leverage the talent that you have locally or the relationships that you might have locally to be able to provide those services for the residents, like I said, and still be on the front edge of cutting technology. Agreed. And, uh, you know, for all the areas that technology is, is changing our lives and impacting our lives in, in all sectors, for the government sector, this is one area where I think there is just an incredible amount of opportunity for growth. When you look at Gilbert, Arizona, 248,000 residents, the 85th largest city in the country, we're the fifth largest city in Arizona. Uh, we're continuing to grow. But I look at our budget for our, our digital communications, our digital government office, and in most cases, it's half of cities, uh, many cities smaller than us, of uh, the cost they're spending to do this in a very traditional way. And yet, we are achieving results and acclaim and success. Uh, in many ways that they're now, uh, they want to know, what, what did you do? How did you do that? 
we're delivering a, very, a higher quality uh, of service, of product. We're getting more interaction with our residents. We're getting more value out of it, and yet we're doing it for half the cost because of taking a new approach, leveraging new technology, and there's just an incredible opportunity in government. I don't think we've even scratched the surface on what can be achieved here. And so whether it be our digital state of the towns, our Spark App Leagues, our online newsroom, you name it, it's just been a transformative thing for our organization and our community. But again, at about half the cost of how you would traditionally do this, it's just been incredible. I think that's what surprises me the most and where we kind of got the idea to come up with having a podcast was because I'm surprised that more cities aren't following our lead in four years. I know government can be slow to change, but when you mention all of the benefits and the reasons why and it being more cost effective, um, you know, why do you think that is that it still is just so difficult for um, cities in general to make change or to adopt kind of philosophies centered around things like digital government, which actually embraces technology and should make lives easier for our residents and our businesses? You know, Dana, when we hired you uh, back from Arizona State University and you'd spent time with MTV and you'd spent time with MSNBC and you brought all the richness of that experience, that, that digital media world with you into government, most government communications professionals are coming from a very different background, a more traditional background of crisis communication, of press releases, of mailers to, to insert in the newspaper. And... It's like um, speaking one language and then being asked to speak another. They really don't have the basic tools in many cases to even understand what needs to be done, how to do it, how to implement this. And so that's something for government. They're going to have to make some decisions of how they move forward. There's a lot of opportunity for uh, classes, and, and a lot of the national organizations are, are starting to talk about this. Not nearly enough, but it's going to be something that governments are really going to have to sit down and, and develop their own digital roadmap and understand what assets they have and what assets they're going to need. But they've got to start with somebody who's got that vision and got that skill set. And in many cases, um, they're not going to have that uh, currently. Mm -hmm. I do think people are leaving the news business in droves, though. So there are people out there who have the skills who are, would be available. Um, but you're, you know, you're exactly right. It can be you know, a diff difficult to make change when it's easier to kind of keep doing the things the way that we've always done them. And I think a lot of people are looking at Gilbert, which, like I said, was a very sleepy town, grew very quickly, um, but now kind of is transforming from a bedroom community to a more business community. So why do you think, too, this helps us to become so attractive as a place to locate a business or start a business? You know, Gilbert as a community has got uh, a lot going for it. We, it seems like every week we're getting another accolade for something, best place to live, uh, best place for veteran, best place for Hispanic entrepreneurs, best community for people uh, living with disabilities. It's um, just an amazing place, Gilbert, Arizona, but one that few people have heard of. Um, we're in the, the Phoenix metropolitan area. Again, we're one of the largest cities in the state and continuing to grow, and yet you've probably never heard of us. And so one of the things that that, that this digital government, this approach has, has given us is, is now a whole new view on Gilbert, Arizona, and a national reach for exposure, for understanding. And businesses are now seeing that this is a community that's the second safest community in the nation. It's got the lowest combined tax rates of any of the communities in, in large communities in Arizona, which is a pretty low tax state to begin with. We have incredible services. We have, we have three AAA rated school districts, 
All those things existed before we started our digital government initiative. And yet now, um, by creating that brand awareness and, and helping people see who we are and connect with us, uh, they're looking at us in a whole new light. Wow, I never knew that about Gilbert and didn't realize that. We're home to Orbital ATK, one of the largest satellite assembly facilities in the world right now, and one of only two companies running uh, private payload missions to the International Space Station. And we're home to Lockheed Martin, and we're home to a MD Anderson uh, Banner Cancer Center. So we've got this these amazing corporations here already. We've got uh, great opportunity for growth, and now they're starting to take notice and, and uh, relocate here and expand here as well. I love it. And I think after this podcast, hopefully that will continue to happen. And that's really why we're doing this. And so I'm looking forward to many more episodes to come. I think we have a lot to talk about, a lot of great things happening here in Gilbert. So I really appreciate it. Did you have fun? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our very first podcast. And as I mentioned at the beginning, this entire series will be focused on, as the title says, Government Gone Digital. To start out, we'll be releasing new podcasts on Tuesdays every other week, and we'll hopefully make it weekly soon. In the meantime, until you hear from us again, be sure to engage with us on social media. You can follow us at Gilbert Your Town on Twitter and Instagram and like us at Gilbert Town Hall on Facebook. Check out our videos at gilbertaz.gov backslash YouTube. And if you have questions or comments for us, you can use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. We look forward to having you follow along on this journey with us as we watch government communications transform together. We'll see you next time from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.